The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the host and do not represent the views of Cryovato Records or Six Degrees of a Belly Dancer. This program features strong language, so please be advised this program is not intended for those under the age of 18. So, if you are offended, just understand we here at Open Air Sonar don't give a fuck. Take care, all. bringing us in with Kids of the Black Hole. Anyway, greetings there, fine specimens, to another real fucked up version of Open Air Sonar. I'm sorry to say, folks, that this edition will be more crude and rude than the previous episodes ever, so we are going to be gabbing punk. Fuck yeah, you know. I was, I was starting to wonder when I was going to get around to doing this episode, and after intense reflection, you know, it, I spit the episode out on paper, and I think it's going to work out. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Took me a while to wrap my brain around it, but I think I got it. So stick with me, okay? Because we're going to do an hour full of just some cool stuff. But anyway, first off, let's go ahead and read an email, shall we? This email comes to us from Nathaniel, who lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh my God, I shouldn't have ate that edible. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But you know what? Saturday night, sitting here, having a drink. I'm just going to do it. But anyway, let's get back to the email. Anyway. <laughs> I'm 22 years old and have only begun my collection of records. I see something I like in a store and have had a hard time because I can always stream it. How do you decide which vinyl to get and what is the best way to price classics to reissue? Any advice will be helpful. Thanks, man, and happy collecting. Okay, Nathaniel, I look at a collection as an art piece that's just constantly changing. And even after, you know... It will live on after you are, as Kansas so gently puts it, dust in the wind. But I will it will continue to thrive. And that, of course, they don't end up on that fucking table in Goodwill. Oh, my God, that place drives me nuts. I go in there, I, I look at their records, and they're all over the place and different. Anyway, um, it's horrible. They're horrible people. They're animals, the way they do it. But anyway, I usually find myself, you know, fixing them before I leave. But, um, you know, it all comes down to, you know... What do you want that's rare is where pretty much I'm at. So if I go into a record store, I'm looking for something that I know I don't have, that I know is super rare, imports. I love imports. Um, unofficials, I, I love unofficial presses. But um, I'm still on the search for that A&M 7-inch, God Save the Queen, you know, the holy grail of 7 inches. But um, none are for sale at this moment. And the last one that sold three years ago for $11,000. So one day... I got my fingers crossed, but, and, you know, pricing is especially important if you're buying used. I would suggest that you go out and get the Gold Mine Standards book, and you can get a bunch of different ones. They, uh, usually, the, the newest one they have is from 1976 to 2021, and that has a list of all 
prices, relevance, and grades, and then go on Discogs, man, and compare, you know, and just find those rarities. You know, everybody's got fucking Fleetwood Mac. Everybody's got John and Yoko, dude. Come on, find some original music. But anyway, thanks for the email, Nathaniel, and uh, we do appreciate those. You know, so if you want to send an email, you can send it to C-R-Y-O-V-A-T-O at gmail.com. A reply is guaranteed. Oh, my God. I did. That that freaking edible that I ate, dude. It's like starting to warp my brain. But anyway, let's get down to some tunes, okay? So, you know, punk rock songs are typically blunt and confronting. But here's some crazy shit between the late, you know, 16th and 18th centuries punks was common word for or synonym for prostitutes and the term eventually came to describe a young male hustler a gangster or hoodlum hoodlum or ruffian which brings us to a band i consider to be the first real punk band to ever make it commercial so ladies and gentlemen i give you mc5 with kick out the jams this is open air sonar don't go anywhere
That was MC5 with their 1969 release, Kick Out the Jams. MC5 formed in Lincoln Park, Michigan, and you know, comprised of vocalist Rob Tyner, guitarist Waynes Kramer, and Fred Sonic Smith, with bassist Michael Davis and drummer Dennis Thompson. You know, and according to all music critic Stephen Thomas Edelwein, Edelwein blah, blah, wine, okay, crystallized the counterculture movement at its most volatile and threatening. That kind of explains MC5 down to a to a T. But I will say, you know, that their loud, energetic style of you know back to basics rock and roll, you know, with elements from hard rock, blues, and jazz, or and you know, garage, but Kick Out the Jams was recorded live at uh, Detroit's Grand Volume o- over a two-night period, Devil's Night and Halloween in 1968. You know, the original release had the, uh, the Kick Out the Jams motherfucker printed on the inside, and um, but was soon pulled from stores, you know, after, you know, the verses were, you know, then then two more versions were released, both with censored album covers with, you know, the uncensored audio version sold behind the, the counter. So you like had to go up and ask for it, you know, like, fuck. And probably, probably shine shame your ass into buying it. Why are you going to buy that shit? But anyway, uh, that's just me. But another one of them rare gems that I would love, love, love to find. Apparently, there's only about 60 or 70 of them left in the world. So I'll be on the lookout for that one, folks. So, um... Anyway, let's move on now. So, I guess we'll stick around in Michigan for a little bit. And, uh, because this seems to be the punk homeland. But uh, this takes us to 1967, where in Ann Arbor, Michigan, four guys, Ron Asherton, Scott Asherton, <coughs> David Alexander, and Iggy Pop brought us the Stooges. Here is I Want to Be Your Dog. This is Open Air Sonar.
That was I Want to Be Your Dog from the 1969 self-titled album. Um, you know, it was given the moniker of proto-punk, and this is how all music uh, gave the definition of proto-punk. Proto-punk was never a cohesive movement, nor was there a readily identifiable proto-punk sound that made its artists seem related to the t at the time. What ties proto-punk together is a certain provocative sensibility that didn't fit the prevailing counterculture of the time. It was consciously subversive and fully aware of its outsider status. In terms of lasting influence, much proto-punk was primitive and stripped down, even when it wasn't aggressive, and its production was usually just as unpolished. The genre also frequently dealt with taboo subject matter, depicting society's grimy underbelly in great detail, inventing alienation that was more intense and personal than ever before. Anyway, something to think about, people, right? Right, right, well... Anyway, oh, and I, yeah, I loved the uh, the Slayer cut of this from their 1997 release, Undisputed Attitude, where they actually changed the name of the song from Dog to God. But it was really, really good. So if you get the chance, get that, that Slayer album because it's, that's a god got to have in everybody's collection. But on to the next tune, people. So looks like we're staying in Michigan another time. Yes, folks, we finally made it to downtown Detroit, where in 1976, three brothers built a band called Death and gave us for the world to see. This is Keep On Knocking People, and you're listening to Open Air Sonar.
That was Death with their cut Keep On Knocking from the album For the Whole World to See. Um, you know, Death was the product of three brothers, David, Bobby, and Dennis Hackney. And in 1964, they sat down beside their father to witness the Beatles' first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. The next day, David found a discarded guitar and set about learning to play. Dude, found it in an alley somewhere, but uh, originally calling themselves the Rock Fire Funk Express. Uh, later, David convinced his brothers to change the name of the band to Death after their father was killed in an accident. Uh, Bobby Hackney recalled in 2011 that David wanted to change the meaning of the word. His concept was spinning death from the negative to the positive. It was hard to sell. That was Death. And, and, you know, and in 1975, uh, Death recorded seven songs written by uh, Bobby at United Artists Studios in Detroit with Columbia Records President Clive Davis funding the session. So uh, Davis also pleaded with the boys to change their name, but they refused. So Davis eventually withdrew his support. So on their own, they actually released Politicians in My Eyes. And let me tell you this, collector, stay sharp because there is only 500 original copies of this album available. So if you can find it out there, dude, that that would be a killer, killer addition to your, you know, to your set. But the Hackney Brothers ended their band in 1977, and the brothers then moved to Vermont and released two albums of gospel rock as the fourth movement in the early 1980s. Uh, David moved back to Detroit in 82 and died of lung cancer in 2000, and Bobby and Dana still reside in Vermont and lead the reggae band Lamb's Bread. Dennis is currently the drummer for the Vermont-based rock funk band The Aerolites. But if you don't get the chance, there is actually a cool documentary out there called uh, There Once Was a Band Called Death, and i got to tell you guys, you gotta, you got to watch this thing. It's, it's freaking really, really good, but... Um, Anyway, we're going to go ahead and leave the United States people and head over the pond to the UK, where in 1976, Buzzcocks brought us what they do anyway. But uh, anyway, this is the 1979 cut of Why Can't I Touch It from their singles collection. Uh, this is Open Air Sonar. Stick with us. We got, this is our last one for the break, people, I promise.
That was Buzzcocks. Now listen, people, let's not confuse this. The buzz is the excitement you feel when you're playing on stage. And cock is northern English slang meaning friend. So they thought it captured the excitement of the nascent punk scene as well as humorous sexual connotations following uh, the news that Pete Shelley's time of working in an adult bookstore. So per the band, there is no the in Buzzcocks. So it's just Buzzcocks. So anyway... Um, with their cut from 1979, uh, Why Can't I Touch It, from the Singles Going Steady album. Um, you know, that record, it, um, it was actually the first Buzzcocks album to be released in North America and intended as an introduction to the band for the American public. Uh, coinciding with a tour of the U.S., side one of the original release of the album featured the eight U.K. singles released on United Artists Records from 1977 up to the time of Singles Going Steady's release in 1979, uh, you know, in chronological order. But while side two featured their corresponding B-sides also in chronological order, you know, and after healthy sales on, you know, import in the U.K. over the next two years and the following group split in early 81, uh, the band was belatedly released in the band's home country on United Artists Records on 16, on November 16th as a greatest hits album. Uh, however, as in the U.S., the album failed to chart. God. But, I mean, they were, you know, such intr- instrumental in bringing this, you know, this, uh, this European, this English punk wave that was about to hit the United States. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. But, um... Anyway, we lost Pete Shelley in 2018 to a heart attack in Estonia. So, where he is now, hopefully he's doing great because he did wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff with with music and with the music that he wrote and he made. So, anyway, people, we're going to go ahead and take a break. I hope you're enjoying this show on punk and at least what I feel to be the foundations of, you know, many people will differ and, you know, that's cool, whatever, fuck it, I don't care, but uh, this is my interpretation and maybe by the end of the show you'll kind of see where I've been taking you, so uh, don't go away, people, enjoy the break and we'll see you back soon. This is Open Air Sonar. Stupid punk rock. I don't, you know, I just think of it as rock and roll because that's what it is. Stunning, says Robert Hilbert of the LA Times. Bracing, stimulating, and technically superb, Todd McCarthy of Variety. Anyone 
who wants to learn about the new music at arm's length should check out Penelope Spears' chilling new film, Chris Morris, L.A. Reader. Suburban Voodoo, Doug Simmons, The Boston Phoenix. My house smells just like the zoo. The Decline documents a sociological phenomenon that is the foundation for the most shocking American youth movement in history. Spears Films presents fear, black flag, circle jerks, germs, and X in... See it in a theater where you can't get hurt. The 13th Floor Elevators bringing us in with their 1966 release, You're Gonna Miss Me. You know, they were part of that, uh, you know, that 60s Texas garage punk scene, you know, where the, you know, they made these compilations and they're called the Acid Vision Volumes and man, they are so good. I, you know, I have them all. So I would suggest that you guys go out there and get them because they're fucking killer. Okay. Anyways, welcome back to Open Air Sonar where we advise you to smoke a bowl to the head and record and play. You got that? Please. So this, this is not a public service announcement. Do that. Okay. Um, and the second half, people, we are still hanging on. You know, is it me or am I the only one who ran when the cops showed up? What the fuck? How am I here all by myself? Would you guys all stay and get arrested? I see how it is. But uh, anyway, our next band is going to keep us in the UK. I figured, you know, we're, we're not going to keep crisscrossing all over the goddamn world chasing these bands around. I say we do a bunch in one area and then do a bunch in another area at least you know that seems to work out so um this next song takes us to 1975 london england where the sex pistols will always be regarded as one of the most groundbreaking acts in the history of popular music so ladies and gentlemen i give you the sex pistols with pretty vacant from their 1977 release never mind the bullocks here's the sex pistols this is open air sonar
That was Pretty Vacant by the Sex Pistols from their 1977 release, Nevermind the Bullocks. So the band made the video for Pretty Vacant, as well as one for God Save the Queen on the 11th and 12th of July in 1977 at the studios of ITN on Well Street in London. They were thrown out after throwing cans of lager at the cameraman on the 11th, but returned on the 12th to finish the recording. Now listen, people, if there is ever a 7-inch out there that you must find or that you want, I suggest to look for the A&M single of the Sex Pistols' God Save the Queen. It is considered to be known as the Holy Grail of 7 Inches. So, apparently this is how the story went. Is A&M was not happy with the Sex Pistols' antics while on tour in the U.S., so they were able to release a few hundred before the rest were destroyed by A&M and the Pistols were dropped from the label. So, the last one I seen sell for was three years ago and it sold for about $11,000. So... People, I'm still looking for one myself. I think that we could find the rest if we put our heads together. But apparently, from what I'm seeing, a lot of collectors are not letting those go. So, it's one of those things. But the tune also made an appearance in the Ralph Bakshi film 1981 from 1981, American Pop, where it showcased the United States' entry into the world of punk rock uh, from the New York side of things. But uh, we'll get there. We'll get there, people. But anyway... I, uh, we are still going to stick around in the UK with the only band that matters, people. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you The Clash with Straight to Hell from their 1982 release, Combla Combat Rock, blah, blah, blah. See, another edible today. That's what fucking happens. I start this show, I start listening to tunes, I eat an edible, and everything just goes to fucking shit. Um... But, hey, it makes me comfortable. So, anyway, stick around, people. This is Open Air Sonar. And I hope you've enjoyed our punk show so far. So, stick around. Say bye. 
1982 release, Straight to Hell. So The Clash were born in 1976 London and consists of Joe Strummer, Mick Jones, Paul Simeon, and Nick Topper Hedenso, and were key players in the original wave of the British punk rock movement. Uh, This track has been described by Pat Gilbert as being saturated by colonial melancholia and sadness. So, like many songs by The Clash, uh, the lyrics, Straight to Hell, decry injustice. The first verse refers to the shutting down of steel mills in northern England and unemployment spanning generations. It also considers the alienation of non-English speaking immigrants into British society. 
Um, the second verse concerns the abandonment of children in Vietnam who were fathered by American soldiers during the Vietnam War. Uh, the phrase Amer-Asian blues is used to referring to the Amer-Asian child with an absent American father. Uh, Papasan, you know, the child has a photograph of his parents and is pleading with his father to take him home to America. The child's plea is rejected. And San is actually a Japanese rather than Vietnamese honorific, but it was used by U.S. troops in Vietnam uh, who, you know, referred to Vietnamese men and women, especially older men and women, as Mama San and Papa San. But when Strummer sings of a volatile Molotov thrown at a Puerto Rican immigrants in Alphabet City as a message to encourage them to leave, he is referring to the arson that claimed buildings occupied by immigrant communities, notably Puerto Rican, before the area was subject to gentrification. So, and in 1991, Joe Strummer reflected on this creative process about this track. He said, I'd written the lyrics staying up all night at the Iroquois Hotel. I went down to Electric Lady and I was put and I just put the vocal down on tape. We finished about 20 to midnight. We took the E-train from the village up to Times Square, and I'll never forget coming out of the subway exit just before midnight into a hundred billion people, and I knew we had just done something very great. Yes, yes, he did something extremely great, but uh, Joe Strummer left us a little while back, and that was a real bummer for me because, God, I love that man, but anyway, we are now heading back to the States, people. We are finally out of the UK, and we are landing in beautiful New York City, people, so this is the Ramones with Pinhead. Stick around with me, people. We've got a couple more songs after this, and we are done. This is Open Air Sonar.
Gabba Gabba Hey, Gabba Gabba Hey, that was the Ramones with Pinhead from their 1977 release, Leave Home. Um, the songs in Leave Home concentrate on various themes, with musical tones being diverse as well. Some tunes were more pop-orientated, while others like Gimme Gimme Shock Treatment and Pinhead were loaded with dis- distorted guitars and a more punk rock sound. Uh, the song Carbonara Not Glue was actually taken off of the album because it potentially violated the tra- trademark of the stain removal product Car- Carbona. The track was replaced with Babysitter in the United Kingdom and Sheena is a punk rocker in the United States prior to its inclusion on Rocket to Russia. But both Carbona and Babysitter were included on the 2001 Expanded Edition. Uh, critical reception for the album was generally favorable, with some reviewers pointing out the fact that it highly resembled the band's debut album. Critics also said the album was less groundbreaking than their debut, but it had humorous and enjoyable pieces, and the album peaked at number 148 on the Billboard's 200 despite its critical claim, as well as the band's members expecting more commercial success. Um, Joey Ramone recalled, uh, he said he wrote most of the stuff I contributed at my apartment in Forest Hill, Queens, before I left and moved back to the place in the city. I had no amp at home, just an electric guitar. I recorded it onto a cassette and played that back at rehearsal. We had better production, we were playing a little faster, and we had a lot of songs accumulated. We were really in good shape for that album. So, anyway, that, uh, that was Pinhead, because we love the Ramones here. Um, and, you know, they really were instrumental in bringing that kind of modern kind of punk sound to the scene. But, uh, unfortunately, by 2014, all four of the band's original members had died. Lead singer Joy Ramone in 2001, bassist D.D. Ramone in 2002, guitarist Johnny Ramone in 2004, and drummer Tommy Ramone in 2014. So, yeah. yeah thanks for the tunes, guys. And... What can I say? You were fucking amazing. So anyway, we are headed to Southern California, ladies and gentlemen, where Black Flag gave us drinking and driving. Stick around, people. This is Open Air Sonar.
That was Black Flag with Drinking and Driving from their 1985 release, In My Head. Black Flag was conceived in Hermosa Beach in 1976 by Greg Ginn, uh, which is actually pretty funny. I got a pretty funny story about this guy. So my buddy, Jose, he's a guitar player, and he is fucking irritated with this guy. He says he goes off on these solos that make no sense to the fucking songs. So anyway, there's a little shout out to my buddy, Jose. So anyway... Um, but a live version of the song was also to be found on the live album Who's Got the Ten and a Half from Starry Night in Portland, Oregon, recorded on August 23rd, 1985. And they also received huge backlash for this tune by conservative groups that said the tune promotes crime in the form of DWI. But I, I think if a song is telling you to commit illegal acts, uh, I don't think that's the song, dude. I think that you need psychological help. I mean, come on, fuck, man. I mean, really. But anyway, after building a reputation for confrontational hardcore punk, uh, late-era Black Flag turned to a more experimental heavy metal-influence-inflicted sound. Uh, in particular, on their last two albums, Greg Ginn intended In My Head to be his first solo album. Uh, and the cover is a collage of six drawings by Raymond Pettibon. So anyway, folks, that's just... a about gonna do it for us today i want to thank you all for joining me on this you know special edition of open air sonar so um and i, I just want to tell all my listeners to take note of what i've done for you this year uh think about it for a minute i have given you a foundation for your vinyl collection a jumping off point to build those amazing living breathing you know art masterpieces uh, known solely as your vinyl collection, people. So you are welcome, okay? Now, um, you know, it's, it's it's just one of those things, you know, and and I, I'm, I'm sorry to see you guys go, but, um, you know, in conclusion, uh, you know, punk has always gotten a bad rap as being too outside the norm or, you know, just turn people off, but... Let's view this through a biblical lens, shall we? With Lou Reed as Abraham, Iggy Pop is Moses, Exene as our Mary of Magdalene, Gigi Allen is our Judas, with John Lydon and Sid Vicious as Cain and Abel. So, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. So, you know, and if you think of it as kind of a, it kind of paints a beautiful picture, doesn't it? Yes, it's gritty, it's dirty, and it's messy, but doesn't that in itself make it beautiful to watch? Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and leave you now with My Way by Sid Vicious. And remember, people, if you burn the candle at both ends, it doesn't make things brighter. It makes it burn out faster. Have a great New Year, folks, and I will hope to see you all in the new year. Take care, everyone. This is Tony saying goodbye, and you're listening to Open Air Sonar. Life that's full
Thank <laughs> you. 